Welcome to this week's episode of the Just Means Less ACC podcast. I am Dan from ACC Content, and um, yesterday we previewed the playoffs, the college football playoff semifinal matchups with Micah. Today we are going to talk some Orange Bowl. Um, I'm joined by Anthony Pagnata. Anthony, you want to kind of introduce yourself and um, tell me how you're doing? Hey, man. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm Anthony Pagnata. I uh, write the Heel Tough blog and host the Heel Tough blog podcast, which covers uh, North Carolina Tar Heels football in depth. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, I'm hanging in there, man. Uh, it's uh, definitely an exciting time for Tar Heel football, uh, which is good because Tar Heel basketball isn't quite doing it for us right now with uh, how they've been looking here to start the ACC season. Uh, so it's great to have the team in the Orange Bowl. Uh, there's definitely uh, some off the field storylines that are happening, you know, around, uh, you know, some of the, the players that, uh, you know, sort of got Carolina here uh, that a lot of people are taking issue with. But this is still a team that uh, I feel like a lot of people are pretty excited about they've got a really great quarterback in Sam Howell that led them here and uh, they're looking to hopefully pull the upset in this game against Texas A&M and uh, a very stout Aggies uh, team that you know is going to come in motivated because they feel like they should have been in the college football playoff yeah for sure um, I mean we talked about it on this podcast how there's kind of a good reasoning why Texas A&M was not in the playoffs but regardless they will be playing UNC and both teams really hungry for a victory Obviously, um, this will take place January 2nd, Saturday at 8 p.m. on ESPN. Um, Texas A&M, you talked about how it would be an upset for UNC to win their eight-point favorites in this one. Um, so let's go right into the opt-outs for UNC. I mean, mostly on the offensive side of the ball, we have both of their running backs, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, will not be playing. Um, we also have Deami Brown, who will not be playing, and we have the linebacker on the defensive side chest are at. So, I mean, how do things change and the outlook of this UNC team? And do you kind of view this as kind of a preview to next year? And will it kind of set a precedent to how we should look at the Tar Heels for 2021? I definitely think that's, that's kind of what this is turning into. And I think that that is what is frustrating a lot of people is that they thought that this was going to be a game where, you know, you're playing in your first major bowl game in 71 years. Um, you know, this would be a chance to close out what has been a really, really promising season because, you know, coming into that game against Miami, it, it was kind of one of those situations where you didn't really know what to make of the season for the Tar Heels. You thought, okay, You've got, you know, some decent wins on the schedule. You beat Wake Forest, a team that we saw, um, you know, if they don't turn the ball over as much as they do in that Dukes-Mayo Bowl, they probably could have won that game because they seem like they've got some good offensive pieces. You beat a team in NC State that ends up finishing the season ranked. A lot of people really think that they're a team that, uh, you know, potentially could get themselves into the conversation uh, over the next couple of years to be one of the biggest challengers uh, to Clemson, probably the biggest challenger to Clemson in the ACC Atlantic over the next couple of years, but you didn't really know. But then you get that win against Miami. All of a sudden you're saying, okay, we're in the orange bowl. This is a significant game. Carolina should be able to come out, show some things against Texas A&M. It should be a really great matchup, so much similar maybe to their matchup against Florida early in the year with a really powerful offense. And then as you talked about, you lose your top two rushers, you lose the Ami Brown and look, it's a, it's a big loss because Michael Carter, Javante Williams, you know, these guys were getting comparisons to Reggie Bush and Lendell White. That's not something that is to be taken lightly. And when you look at the statistics throughout the season, it's not the wildest comparison either. These guys had tremendous years 
both on the ground and out of the backfield as receiving threats. So now both of those guys are gone. You lose their ability to pass protect as well in the backfield. So now you're going to have guys in Josh Henderson, Elijah Green, talented guys, along with British Brooks, the junior walk-on, can't go without mentioning him. Guys that have played at times, but have been, you know, you mostly used in garbage time. And now they're going to have to find a way to step up. One of them is going to go, go is going to get their first career start. And they're going to have to find a way to be effective against the Texas A&M defense that is used to playing in the SEC. Now, look, I mean, we know the SEC hasn't been as strong defensively as it's been in past years, but it's still the SEC. They play very physical styles of defense. This Texas A&M team is really, really talented, especially in their front front six. They they run a four two five defense typically, um, so we'll say a front six. And you know, look, they've I mean allowed less than ninety five yards on the ground per game so far this season. Uh, they've got some really talented guys in the middle of their defense. Bobby Brown uh, is the guy that I think is the name that sticks out the most. He's an All SEC defensive lineman. Uh, was a first team guy out of the defensive tackle spot. He got linebacker. Buddy Johnson, as well as uh, his fellow linebacker mate, Aaron Hansford. So Carolina has got to come prepared for a defense that's going to fly around, try to slow them down and not having your two running backs is going to hurt. And then not having De'Ami Brown on the outside, your big play threat. The good news there is, is that you look at some of the guys that they potentially have there that could step up that we've seen, you know, Emory Simmons has started, you know, a couple of games with Bo Corrales out of the lineup. He'll probably play a big role as well. Choffrey Brown, the brother of Diami Brown, a guy that, you know, he claims that he's faster than Diami. Well, we might have a chance to see that in this game. But one of the big things that Carolina has got to be able to do in this game, they need their offensive line to step up and pass protect, but they've got to have a good game plan coming out in this one. Phil Longo's got to have a game plan similar to some of the ones that we saw when they faced some of the better defensive lines that they faced this year. Uh, you know, one game that I usually like to go back and look at when you talk about these types of games was the game against Virginia Tech earlier in the year where Carolina really got themselves going by throwing the football uh, quick, you know, short routes, slant routes, stuff like that, where their wide receivers were able to make things happen in space. They're going to have to probably do that against the Texas A&M team that's going to try to pin their ears back and come after a group that is going to have some holes in it when it comes to pass protection. So we'll see if Carolina is able to adjust. Yeah, and um, I mean, a lot of people, you talk about the running back situation, a lot of people like to, you know, in a modern day scheme, it's based not only on the running backs, but, you know, the run blocking schemes and all that. But I mean, if you look at the numbers, you look deep into the, you know, the pro football focus and all that. Javante Williams led the um, the FBS in avoided tackles, and it wasn't even close. So it's definitely going to be a huge loss. Obviously, he talked about the passing game, and we'll get into that a little bit because, um, yes, you said they'll be losing De'Ami Brown, but I think UNC's receiving room is the deepest of their position groups, or at least among that. So um, they'll be perfectly fine there. And obviously, they have Sam Howell, who, you know, the quarterback every – offense runs around their quarterback no matter how it's designed so that's going to be huge but Texas A&M you talked about how they're great as a pass rushing unit but I think their biggest weakness has probably been their coverage at least based off of what I've um, observed so do you think that perhaps the short passing game could set up the downfield passing game or you know well I, I yeah I do I, I think that 
it's just, it's a matter of can the young guys be able to create separation quick enough? That's the thing that they haven't had to do a whole lot of so far. Um, but the good news is, is that, you know, I think that Tario fans are really looking at, you know, when, when they talk about the wide receivers, they're looking and saying, well, these guys are inexperienced. That's different than saying these guys have never played. Chaffrey Brown has, has started a game with Bo Corrales out injured. Emory Simmons has started the last few games with Chaffrey Brown out injured. Most people are also forgetting that you still have Anton Green, who was a big contributor his first two years on campus. Um, actually, you know, before his injury last year in the game against Miami, he actually started the first two games of the year for Carolina in the opener, of course, in Charlotte against South Carolina and started that game against Miami. So there are guys that have been here that have done that before. And I think that is ultimately what the goal is going to be for Phil Longo is get that short. doing that uh, over the past couple of years. The, or, or excuse me, Chaffrey Brown's a guy that, you know, seems like he's got that ability. He's got the track speed. He can pull away from guys. He had a big touchdown earlier in the year uh, in the game against, I believe it was Notre Dame that he had that long touchdown against. No, maybe it, maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm blanking what came it was. Um, but he did have a long touchdown that, uh, you know, he just outran the defenders because he's simply just faster than them. And you feel like that could be an area where Carolina can attack them because I'm, I'm with you. I look at this Texas A&M team and, uh, you know, again, the front six, I think looks great. The back five is, is solid. I don't think they've had a bad year, but at the same time, if there's an area where there is a weakness, that is one of the areas and North Carolina for the most part over the past couple of years, when you look at this Tar Heel team, you know, I, I mean, this year, the running game has been what everybody's talked about, but this passing attack under Sam Howell has been one of the most consistent in all of college football. It's rare to see them have a really off day. We've seen it at times, you know, Clemson uh, back in 2019, uh, you know, that was one of the games where Sam Howell really didn't play well earlier this year, struggled a little bit against Boston college, but it's very, very rare. And it feels like this is one of those games where Sam Howell is going to know this this team is going to have to be put on his back most likely in this game you're not going to have the same rushing attack out there you're not going to have Deami Brown but even when he's lost guys over the past you know couple of years due to injury he's always been able to adjust and work in whoever comes in to take over for that wide receiver uh you know it, it, it he works them into the passing game I mean he did it last year when Bo Corrales came in and took over as a starter after Anton Green's injury he did it this year with Emory Simmons uh, and Shoffrey Brown, as we talked about. So I think, you know, there's there's definitely some concern not having a guy as talented as De'Ami Brown there, but this isn't something that's a nail in the coffin for this offense. I think the bigger concern is definitely in the backfield. Yeah, I agree. And I think the big thing for Sam Howell will be, I mean, when you decide to go downfield, get rid of the ball quickly, don't hold on to it. He's had one of the longest times in the pocket in the – um conference this year so on average so um getting rid of the ball for sure is something that I think will be probably the one thing Sam Howell needs to take that next step as a quarterback I mean he's improved his mobility this year a lot he always has had pinpoint accuracy he's always had a good arm so um but let's quickly talk about this A&M offense against the UNC defense obviously of the two units UNC has struggled much more defensively throughout the year than offensively um I mean, A&M, they struggle probably the most in pass protection. At least that's what I've seen. But they also, I mean, their biggest strength, they run the ball well. 
especially with Isaiah Spiller. Um, they have a star tight end, Jaden, Jalen Weidermeyer. So, um, I mean, how do you see this matchup kind of faring out? How do, First off, how could they contain the rushing attack? And second off, how could they contain that star tight end? And, um, you know, how could Texas A&M offense potentially be exploited? Yeah, the biggest concern is definitely the backfield for uh, the Aggies because, I mean, you look with uh, Isaiah Spiller, I think he's probably one of the more underrated running backs in all of college football. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, just jumped onto the scene this year, and he's been fantastic. He runs with an edge. He's got really good speed. So Carolina's going to have to play physical. They're going to have to cover sideline to sideline. And, you know, that starts with the guy, you know, look, you don't have Chaz Surratt out there. That means Jeremiah Gimmel's got to step up. You know, he's had a pretty solid year this year, but again, he's been kind of like what we saw from Chasserat at times this year. He's been up and down. He's had moments where he's looked really good. He's had moments where he's really struggled. He's taken some bad angles. He hasn't been able to make some tackles that have been there. He's got to have his best game of the season in this one if Carolina wants to slow down this Texas A&M offense. And the good news is, is the guy that's going to be beside him is a guy that's, you know, had some decent experience. He's coming in some games, hasn't played a major role just yet, but is seen as as one of the best rotational guys, one of the best backups on the entire team. Jay Bateman actually said that in his press conference earlier this week when he was talking about Eugene Asante. This is a guy that was extremely prized when Mac Brown and his staff came in after the 2018 season, were putting together that 2019 recruiting class. This was their big target outside of Sam Howell. This was a guy that they said, look, we've got to have in this defense. He fits exactly what Jay wants to run here. And, you know, he's a guy that can cover sideline to sideline. He's a little bit better in coverage than Jeremiah Gimmel. So I'm going to be interested to see whether or not Gimmel sort of slides into the role that Chasserat had as the guy that, you know, helps in the run game, uh, but is also really the guy that Carolina wants to use when they blitz the most. And if they're going to let Asante maybe drop into coverage, because as we've seen, Jeremiah Gimmel in recent weeks, we saw it against Notre Dame and it worked out for Notre Dame in Notre Dame's favor. And we saw it against Miami. Now Carolina's offense was luckily able to get out and help them enough where it didn't affect them. But Gimmel has been targeted constantly throughout uh, you know, the end of the season here. I mean, he, he was even targeted, uh, you know, when he was matched up against the slot receiver that just had us all kind of scratching our heads in the game against Wake Forest. So Carolina's got to find a solution there. That's still one of my biggest concerns in this game for him too, because you look at Jalen Wiedemeyer, who is clearly their best uh, offensive target uh, when it comes to the passing game. Uh, he's a guy that's got six touchdowns this year, leads them in receiving. Um, I, I think he's a guy that Carolina's got to find a way to take away. But, you know, another guy that I think is really interesting that I'm going to be, you know, sort of interested to see how they use him in this game because they've used him in a variety of different ways is Anaya Smith. They've used him as both a slot wide receiver. They've used him as a running back. They like to move him around. So Carolina's got to be careful who they put on him and figure out how they're able to take them away but the biggest thing for Carolina's secondary they've allowed a lot of yards the guys on the outside have done a pretty good job even Tony Grimes sliding in as a true freshman on the outside we see why he was a five-star extremely highly touted Carolina wanted to get him reclassified we can see why him Kyler McMichael some of the other guys that have been out there they mostly handled their duty the problem is is in the middle of that defense they have struggled to take away the middle of the field and you know look Kellen Mond is a guy that can get the job done he He's, you know, one of those guys that heading into this year, he was sort of, you know, he fit into that category. I like to sort of put him in there with Ian Book, uh, with Sam Ellinger, guys that 
got a lot of hype, but we just never really saw exactly what everybody else saw in him. Kellen Mond is very similar to Ian Book this year in the fact that he has had a really, really solid year. The best thing that he does is he doesn't turn the football over. He's thrown three interceptions the entire season, so he's a very smart quarterback. So Carolina's got to be able to, whenever this team is you know, in a third-down situation, third and long, they've got to be able to get off the field because if this guy can move the ball up and down the field consistently, he is not going to make the mistakes that are going to allow you to keep yourself in this game. But, you know, look, Carolina's defense, it's caught a lot of slack over the last couple of years, still even after Jay Bateman came in and, you know, has improved from what we saw uh, during Larry Fedora's tenure there where he rotated in a whole bunch of different guys uh, at defensive coordinator. Uh, the main thing is, though, when this team is needed to step up, we've seen it against Clemson last year. We saw it against NC State earlier this year. We saw it against Miami. We saw it against Notre Dame. This defense, when it needs to step up and play well to try try to help out this offense, they've normally been able to get the job done. Jay Bateman knows how to scheme a defense for one game. We just have to hope that this is one of the games that he is focusing on scheming a defense, and I think it will be, which will allow Carolina to keep it close. Yeah, um, and before we go, do you have a final score prediction for the fans? I mean, um, obviously, like I said, Texas A&M eight-point favorites. I'm leaning definitely UNC against the spread. I'm not sure I would bet on them outright. But, um, I mean, I'm curious your thoughts. So, on the podcast uh, that we did to preview the game, I, I picked Texas A&M to win the game, uh, which is the first time that I've picked against Carolina all season. Uh, I thought that, you know, some of the earlier games in the season, you know, games against uh, Notre Dame, I felt like Carolina just matched up really well with them. I thought they, uh, you know, at home could create some havoc. Picked them, of course, against Miami. That actually worked out in my favor. This is the first time I'm picking against Carolina, and it's really just because, I mean, you look at everything that is stacked against them. I mean, you lose so much offensive production, uh, and it's it's tough. I mean, it's it, it's you know, a relatively quick turnaround. This isn't like an off season where, you know, you're going to be able to rotate, you know, multiple guys back there uh, in the backfield, get a bunch of reps, figure out who your guy is. You're having to do this on three weeks notice. And, you know, with Javante Williams, that was a guy that kind of caught the coaching staff off guard. It seemed the way that Mac Brown was talking at his press conference, that was not something that they were entirely expecting. So I'm going to be interested to see how this offense functions without a run game. We've seen it work at times for Carolina, like a game earlier this year against Wake Forest, but I unfortunately have a feeling that this is going to be very similar to the game that we saw Carolina play last year against Virginia Tech. They're going to stand back there. They're going to throw the ball 50, 60 times in this game, however many plays they get to run. And unfortunately, it's going to turn into a track meet. Their defense will get worn down. And this Texas A&M team, like we've seen, they did it earlier in the year against Florida. They're not the greatest offensive team, but when they need to put up points, they find a way to put up points. I think that Jimbo Fisher's guys are going to be motivated in this game because they're going to want to prove uh, that, you know, look, they should have been the team in the playoff, especially if, let's say, Notre Dame comes uh, in and gets blown out. Ohio State comes in and gets blown out in one of, in one of those semifinal games. They're going to want to make a statement to show the people at the college football playoff committee that you made a mistake. So I think everything's just stacked against Carolina in this one. 
but they got Mac Brown, so I think he'll definitely help them keep it close. I had it 41-31 on the podcast. I, I you know, think I'm going to go a little bit lower uh, on that score. I think it'll be 34-27 in favor of Texas A&M. I think they take down the Tar Heels. But even with the loss, I still think it's a, a very successful year for the Tar Heels, and this will give them a pretty decent look at what they have next year when there should be some really, really big expectations and what we expect will be Sam Howell's final year. Yeah. Um, so the over under is 65 and a half right now, which I guess if I do the math, sets us up at like a 37, 29 ish Texas A&M win. So, um, I guess at first you had the over, now you have the under, but, um, yeah, thank you for coming on. Obviously I think, I mean, especially from my perspective, definitely hoping for the Tar Heels to pull this one out, make a big statement for the ACC. Um, I mean, next year. I had a lot of expectations for the Tar Heels this year. I think I had them 10 and two preseason before obviously the schedule change and, you know, they, they lived up to it in a way, obviously they're in the orange bowl. There's still some left to be desired with some of their losses, but you know, this, this is a big game for Texas A&M. So, um, or against Texas A&M. So uh, thank you for coming on. Do you have any closing words before we sign off? Yeah, uh, no, no, not really. Uh, no, I appreciate you having me on, man. You know, I, uh, I I love being able to cover the Tar Heels. It's definitely something that's been really fun for me over the last couple of years. And this is, yeah, one of the most exciting moments. It really stinks that, you know, coming into this game, there's just so much negativity around everything that's going on. Um, I mean, really, the last thing that I would I would say is just, you know, there have been a lot of people that have been really, really hard on the guys that have opted out. And, you know, if you watch some of these other bowl games, you know, we saw De'Ara King go down in the Cheez-It Bowl. He's, you know, expected, as they said today, to return for the start of fall camp. But, you know, again, this is an offseason that we just don't know what, what it's going to be. We don't know if he's going to be able to go through a regular rehab. So that could extend into next season. You look at Kyle Trask, a guy that looked like he was a Heisman guy, potentially entering first round uh, NFL draft area uh, in terms of the talk you know, comes out, throws three interceptions. Now people are questioning whether, you know, he's a guy that they would even take in the second round. He could fall into the third round. This is the reason why some of these guys are opting out. And, you know, as I discussed on the podcast, one of the things that, you know, you've got to kind of sort of come to terms with is that this is not a, you know, the coaching staff is, is telling these guys to opt out. This isn't even these guys just deciding on their own. There are guys that are, you know, considered NFL draft experts that come out and tell these guys where they see them. And they, tell them whether or not they think that they should play in this game. You know, from a Toriel perspective, the worst thing that happened was that these guys play, came out and played as well as they did in the game against Miami. Most of these guys, I mean, you're not, if you're Michael Carter, you're not going to run for 308 yards probably in this game. Javante Williams, you're not going to run for 236 in this game. Deami Brown, you're not going to, you know, have four catches for 167 yards and two catches over 50 yards. That's the worst thing that could have happened. So these NFL draft guys that come out and talk to these kids are telling them, look, you don't want to, you know, play another game. You don't want to ruin what the, your last impression was, which was this game against Miami. So, uh, you know, I think that's one of the areas that, you know, maybe college football has to look at and sort of, uh, you know, try to work with the NFL on maybe having these guys, these draft experts talk to these guys after everything is done with bowl season or, 
as many people have been saying, expand the playoff. Uh, that's pretty much the only thing. But, you know, I, I, I that's the biggest thing. You know, not only, you know, just Tar Heel fans, any fans in the ACC, whether, you know, it's this year or you come upon this in future years, just know that these guys are, you know, they're getting aided in these decisions. And these are decisions for their future. It stinks. You really want them out there on the field, but there's nothing you can do about it. And you just have to live with their decisions. I'm 100% with you on that. I'm going to – um yeah, I'm always in agreement. Like these players, they're, I mean, they're in it. They need money. They need to support their families. And, you know, they're an injury away in the game that, I mean, ultimately they're not getting paid for, for that all to get, you know, ruined. So, I mean, we've seen players come back for extra years and then their draft stock gets ruined because of that, because of an injury or because of poor performance. And, you know, this is just, one game kind of a microcosm of that so i i have put no fault in anybody who opts out for the bowl games for any portion of the season i'm completely with them but thank you for coming on um you know uh like i said hopefully unc could pull this one out we've got playoffs coming up tomorrow um new year's tonight so everybody stay safe and enjoy and hopefully 2021 will be a better year than 2020 but um As always, remember that it just means less in the ACC and go ACC.